Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi friends, welcome back to the Psyche Podcast. How is your week going? We are midweek, well-being Wednesday, hump day, uh, whatever you want to call it. I hope that you are doing okay and that you're being kind to yourself. It's something that comes up time and time again. It's something I still have to remind myself of of times. And something that I think I've mentioned before, but I'm going to mention it again anyway. Uh, I've obviously talked a bit about my depression and anxiety journey on the podcast. And actually, an interesting side effect Um, And I guess one of the ways that I know I'm not in a depressive episode is because I can feel anxious, I feel like anxiety. So when I'm depressed, it's quite a numb, flat experience. And looking back, I can see how much anxiety and fear is a part of that. But at the time, I can't really feel it. So when I feel really anxious, in a way, it's kind of positive because it means I'm not really depressed and I can still have periods of low mood and and all of that but not in a depressive episode and I'm I'm kind of mentioning that because I had a real anxious moment last week um, around some new volunteering I'm doing and that putting pressure on myself and really building up something in my mind and and I think sometimes we we can try and like rationalize our way out of stuff and that's definitely kind of my default. So I was doing a volunteer shift in the run up to it, really anxious, really, really anxious, even though the previous ones and I'm I'm still in that initial stage, it's still very new. Previous volunteering shift have been fine. Um actually <laughs> the one this week was absolutely fine. It was a really great shift. But no matter how much I was kind of telling myself, you know, it's fine. All of that, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be fine. Just worrying about being uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I still couldn't talk myself, <laughs> talk myself out of it. Um, and I guess I'm sharing this for um, two reasons. I think one is that when we are feeling something, we can be really quick to try and suppress it or to try and reason it away. And sometimes we just have to kind of sit and acknowledge it, that we're feeling whatever we're feeling. And it doesn't make it kind of magically go away. But I think sometimes when you're resisting something, it kind of keeps popping back up, like, listen to me, listen to me. And I think actually, once I got into the volunteering and I had a conversation about it with my mentor, that seemed to really help and then to kind of settle into it. So that's my first kind of point, that feeling and acknowledging what you're feeling um, doesn't make it easy, but sometimes it can help to acknowledge it and then sort of try and let go. Um the second point was actually something from some training that I've been doing the previous week, and it kind of actually maybe in a way is rationalizing <laughs> trying to rationalize it a little bit but um I don't know if you've seen this this quadrant for for learning it's also used in other situations but this idea that there are things that we um or our knowledge of something we can be unconsciously incompetent consciously incompetent 
consciously competent and unconsciously competent. And that's the kind of going from left down, right, and then back up, uh, anti-clockwise. So the idea is like, you know, when you're really you're like, yes, I can, I can do this thing I've never done before. We're maybe unconsciously incompetent because we don't really know what this this thing actually is and our ability. And, and we're not really aware what we don't know. So we can feel quite confident. And then obviously the ultimate aim is to that unconsciously competent that it just feels comfortable and it just is all awesome. And the point that, of them showing us this was that actually as part of that learning journey, you get into that being consciously incompetent. And this is where you know what you don't know. And it can be a really uncomfortable feeling because you can have all those, I'm never going to be able to do this type questions and type thoughts. And I really think sometimes a part of imposter syndrome kind of comes in there when it's new stuff. But I don't think that's the entirety of what what makes that up. But it was really interesting because actually I was able to think about different situations and where I am on that scale. So this new volunteering, I'm very much in the conscious incompetent because it's still new. It's still learning. It's still gaining experience. And so I don't feel completely confident and competent in that role yet. So in the build up to it, I'm feeling anxious because I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I'm a, a massive control freak because I'm learning from my own personal therapy. But I, I'm, that anxiety is building up. But when I think about youth coaching and working with young people education something that I have a lot of experience of really enjoy and really am comfortable with I am not at all anxious whatever comes up because I'm in that unconsciously competent because I've got that experience and I've had that time and so I guess I'm just sharing this because it was something that really helped me to understand those feelings I was feeling when I was kind of questioning like I should be able to do this or why am I so uncomfortable with this that is part of that process of gaining experience and becoming comfortable it doesn't mean that you are not going to be able to do that thing it just means there's still a lot to learn and I'm also trying to shift how I feel about that as this is challenging it's learning and that leads to amazing growth so that's kind of the reason for this this uh, anecdote jumbled anecdote and I hope that there is something useful for you in there somewhere <laughs> um it was all very useful for me probably before my next shift I will still be anxious but hopefully not as much because um yeah anyway today's episode we are getting all into energy and energetics and actually a little aside this is maybe not quite <laughs> energy um, but one of the things I do try and tell myself with my rationalizing with anxiety is that feeling of fear and anxiety and that feeling of excitement are the same in terms of what's happening in your body. Sometimes that helps me, sometimes it doesn't, but that's something I remind myself of. But we are diving into energetics today with Lisa. And this is something we've touched on before on the show. I am not an expert on um and I would say listen with an open mind and Lisa particularly focuses on women's energetics and obviously having that that kind of male female binary may not match with your experience or or for everyone's experience but hopefully there will be a lot of really really great takeaways from what Lisa shares about energy 
energetics and also healing from sexual trauma is something we touch on as well so a little disclaimer around that I guess if it's something that is part of your own personal experience and whether you feel comfortable to listen to the episode but let's dive in um, and I really hope you enjoy this episode Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Lisa to the podcast. So Lisa welcome and if you could introduce yourself to us please. Yes hi and I'm so happy to be here. Uh, My name is Lisa Erickson and I am an energy worker and an author. I specialize in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing but I work in other areas too. I primarily work with the chakras or energy centers in the body which are from both energy medicine traditions and spiritual traditions. And many psychotherapists actually work with the chakras too as a model for the psyche. And my work kind of fits right in the middle there in terms of being both psychological and energy medicine based, or also a platform for spiritual growth if if that's what someone is interested in. I'm the author of Chakra Empowerment for Women and the Art and Science of Meditation. Amazing. And we've had, I think, I think we've had a couple of energy workers on the podcast before, but for anyone who's not listened to an episode uh, with, with one of them previously and hasn't really heard of energy work before, could you briefly explain what it is to us? Yeah, there's a lot of different energy work modalities, but in general, they're all based on the concept that we have an energy body or subtle body that is an interface between our physical body and our psyche and spirit. And then throughout the ages, all around the world, different energy body mappings have developed. The most prominent ones come out of China. That is the meridian mappings that acupuncture is based on, right? Which has really become popular all over the world and acupressure. And the chakra system, which comes more out of India and Tibet and that part of the world, although there are energy center mappings all around the world, but chakra specifically is the Sanskrit ancient Indian world. But all of these kinds of mappings of energy centers are based more on these intersections of energy and they're really psycho-spiritual centers. They represent physical energies. They're linked to different physical organs and systems, but they're also in Uh, linked to psychological states, emotions, states of awareness. And so working with them, you can work both for psychological healing and physical healing. And of course, in mind-body medicine, those two are always considered linked. Awesome. And and you said you work um, particularly with with women's energetics. Mm -hmm. So is there um, a big difference between the kind of feminine and masculine energetics? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because chakra systems, when they first came over, mostly through yoga, when they first came to the West, mostly through yoga teachings, we're really focused on kind of general energy anatomy, which is, you know, 80% the same uh, Mm -hmm. across individuals, just like it is physically. We all have a heart, we all have lungs, we all have a stomach, right? But there are these variations and they are linked to the chakras, most linked to the reproductive system, the first, second, third chakras, those lower chakras in the body that are related to the stomach, the reproductive area and the genitals, those energy centers do function differently in men and women. And so that's what I'm calling women's energetics. And for women, it's that we have energetic cycles that tie to our physical cycles, menstruation, pregnancy, menopause. There are energetic shifts, just like those physical shifts that we can learn to work with. So that's part of what women's energetics is. And then the other part of it is that I work a lot with sexual trauma and that in particular tends to impact men and women energetically a little bit differently. So in terms of healing 
I work with men and women a little differently on that. Yeah, and, and I imagine that, that sexual trauma is a very broad um, spectrum of, of experiences, but I'm sure a lot of us can kind of think of the, the physical and the psychological impact of sexual trauma. Could you talk a little bit about the energetic impact mm -hmm. of that? Yeah, the energetic impact kind of mirrors what you would expect at the physical and psychological. And so working at the energetic level is a way of addressing those issues or one modality for helping to address those issues. You know, it's very individual depending on the circumstances, but in the age also of the individual. But what I, there's a few patterns that are very prominent. One is some level of disassociation, right? And we talk about in psychology, disassociation as survival mechanisms for getting through difficult traumatic events. A child who's abused, for example, may develop strategies for kind of going away in their head, hiding in some way in their head to survive abusive episodes, right? But then that becomes a habitual way of dealing with any discomfort, any anxiety, patterns of leaving and not being fully present. And what, how that represents energetically is not being connected to the lower chakras, which are the foundation, just like we have a foundation of the house. And they're also linked to how our energy body being tied into our physical body. So if that foundation is not there, there tends to be a greater prevalence of health issues and non-traditional healing modalities tend to be less effective because someone's not grounded in their body. And then there's also, there's not an ability to handle situations that are uncomfortable. So there may be limits in someone's life around not being able to achieve certain goals or be in certain settings because any level of anxiety or discomfort triggers the disassociative tendency. So what at one time was a survival mechanism now needs to be healed, reprogrammed. So there's a feeling of safety in the body a tolerance for anxious feelings, tools for, for dealing with them in the moment. And energetically, this linking of the upper chakras to the lower chakras. So there's full flow and there's an anchoring in those lower chakras and all that they represent. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the patterns. There's a lot of them, but that's really the main one that I always start with. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking, so uh, talking about that dissociation and, and not being grounded, so how would someone then heal from that? What would that process look like? Yeah, well, and, and I always say for everyone that healing is very individual and it's about finding the modalities and the support system that works for you. So there isn't a prescription in a way. So for some people mm -hmm. incorporating energy work like this is very powerful. For others, it's not, right? But for those for whom it is, uh, what I usually am working with first is gentle exercises that are focused on awakening those lower chakras. So this is focusing the focal point for the root chakra, the tailbone, the second chakra in the pelvis. In particular, those two are the two most impacted. And then I'm, it depends on where the person is at. For some people, even bringing their awareness to that lower part of their body and trying to breathe into that space is very challenging. So that's where we need to start. And we start with a window of time that feels comfortable, right? Especially for trauma healing, force is never the answer. Like I'm gonna make myself focus on my root chakra for an hour, never the answer, right? And then we find supportive activities in their life 
that are bringing forth those energies for the root chakra. It may be time in nature, earth, trees for the second chakra. It might be dancing around privately in your bedroom. It's very different for each person, but we're working with strengthening the connection to those chakras and then repatterning the relationship between the chakras because often if those chakras have been left weak, there's been overcompensation somewhere else and we need to sort of re reprogram that. So there's going to be different chakra exercises that I'm doing as a distance healer I'm helping in the session or activations that someone can do on their own. And that's more what I focus on in my books. People, exercises someone can do at home every day for a period of time to help repattern their energy body to support whatever other healing modalities they're working with. So would this be, so you said about this sort of complementing other healing modalities, is it something that some people might access just this type of healing or does it tend to be sort of part of a, a kind of wider range of, of healing activities? It really depends on the person. Some people are very energetically sensitive, so they click with this right away. And this is the modality that for them seems to bring about the shifts. For others, it's a great complement to talk therapy because they may have already been through talk therapy or they're currently in it. And that's helping them understand the narrative, reclaim memories if that's helpful, things like that. And then what this energy work is doing is giving you tools for feeling how you feel it in your body right? When anxiety arises, when a trigger, for example, arises that may be released, linked to the past trauma, or you're in a new relationship and you're dealing with new sexuality, whatever it is that's going on, feeling that in your body and giving you actual tools for shifting your response right in that moment energetically, beyond breathing, right? Really working energetically. I think also what energy work does is it gives you a framework for change. Like a lot of people will say to me, depending on the kind of therapy they're involved in, I learned a lot about myself, but I still don't feel clear how to change. Now, some therapists focus more on that than others in terms of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that. But for some, what this does, what energy work does is it gives them a framework for, okay, I'm going to change my habitual response to anxiety or to physical contact or my relationship to my own sexuality, my relationship to my body, which gets so impacted by sexual trauma. So it, it, they work together in that way. Um, the, the, I think what the danger can be for someone who only does energy work, if they are very ungrounded, it can become dissociative. It can become another tool for disassociating, right? So I do have a lot of very spiritual individuals. They've done a lot of meditation. Their upper chakras are very developed, right? And in fact, they only want to work that way, <laughs> you know? And I, a lot of my work will be, okay, no, we actually need to do some of the psychological work. You might benefit from some other modalities in addition to this work because your energy and your spiritual proclivities have actually become another way of not dealing mm. with the world around you. So it's very individual. Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess that's true of uh, therapies kind of across the piece, isn't it? That, uh, you know, we're all individuals. So our own mix of things that are going on are individual. And so the therapies that are going to work for us are individual as well. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the, the healer, like you have to have a rapport with whoever you're working with. So that is just, mm -hmm. you know, a, a chemistry type thing, right? Whether you have to feel safe with that person 
and uh, mm -hmm. you have to feel like they you resonate they get you in some way and you get them in some way mm -hmm. and I think that's particularly important for trauma survivors because really what can often happen is this lack of trust in their own power and in their own right to make choices right so they're really has to be this sense that they have a right to choose their therapist, their healer. It isn't just this authority figure, right? There has to be this sense of collaboration. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that's even more so with kind of energetic work than with kind of physical, because it's something we can't see and it maybe feels a bit more, maybe intimate in some ways to sort of be letting someone in and with our energy. Do you think it's maybe more of a, a concern for this kind of work to find the right person in that level of trauma? I do, especially if you're a sexual trauma survivor. I mean, I think for physical work too with sexual trauma survivors, it's very important. But yeah, creating a safe container as an energy worker, I feel is my number one job, a safe container mm -hmm. where someone feels held and nurtured and unjudged and that these are the most important things, right? For someone to be able to surface whatever arises. So that, and it is very important because you're dealing emotionally, sometimes strong emotions do come up. That's emotions are energy, right? So as you're working with a different chakra, a different energy point, it may bring up emotions, you know, deep feelings of unworthiness, insecurity, self-loathing, things that have been pushed down that need to be healed. And that can be difficult to, it's shadow work, right? It can be difficult to work with. So that safe container is absolutely essential. Hmm. And, and you mentioned in your, uh, in your book, it's much more about giving people tools that they, that they can try uh, mm -hmm. without working directly with, with a healer. And I wonder if there is a kind of simple sort of entry level exercise you could share with us that people could have a, have a go at to sort of try what it feels yeah. like to, yeah. How long do you want? Do you want just like a, yeah, go for it. <laughs> no more than yeah. a couple of minutes, but yeah. Great, great. Yeah, let's do one called the Sacral Lotus, just because it is also linked to feminine power. So it's also one that I'm, when I'm working with women in the menopausal trends that are pregnancy, I might also work with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we're on uh, audio, I'll mostly use a visual, but I do want to emphasize there's a lot of different ways to connect with your chakras. You know, you can use sound you can use memory. So in the book, I go through other ways, but because we're right now in this format, uh, describing a visual and helping you feel that in your body is the most accessible. So we'll do that. So I'll invite everyone to close their eyes if that's comfortable, or just lower your eyes so you have a feeling you're bringing your awareness inward. I do like in this exercise for someone to be sitting upward but it's okay if, if that's painful or uncomfortable, obviously lay down or stand. And hold your hands between your hip bones, right on your lower pelvis. So we're really down low. For women, this is, we're gonna be focusing inward right where the uterus is. Or for someone who's had a hysterectomy, that whole area, because you still have this womb energy center. And inside your pelvis here, visualize a beautiful flower made of light and it's facing upwards. I like to use a lotus because that's a nice wide, flatter flower when it's open, like a water lily floating on the top of a pond. 
and the petals, again, made of light, stretch from hip bone to hip bone and from your spine to the front of your pelvis. And the colors can be individual. Traditionally for this chakra, it's shades of ambers and oranges and golds. But if other colors are coming to you, let your flower be made of whatever light comes to you. But it's very translucent. And then imagine there's a strong stalk, just like a water lily has, that going down into the bottom of the pond, right? So the flower doesn't float away. You have one going down through your tailbone into the earth. So your flower is anchored. But here in your pelvis, it may sway a little bit, just like a water lily on the top of a pond. And for this particular chakra exercise, if you want to sway back and forth, it can help capture that feeling of gentle movement energetically. And then imagine from the center of this beautiful flower in your pelvis, light is emanating upwards. Swirls of light that come up first to your navel area, then up into the center of your chest, your heart chakra area. Then swirls of light from this lotus all the way up to your throat chakra at your voice box. And then all the way up to your forehead, your third eye, the midpoint just above your brow line. And you can touch there if it's helpful. And then all the way up to the top back part of your head, your crown. And again, you can touch there if it's helpful. And take a moment to just feel these swirls of light emanating from this pelvic lotus, your second or sacral chakra, swirling up through your whole energy body. Normally you would sit here for a few minutes if you wanted, but now I'll give you some affirmations because that's another way to access this energy. Focus down here, say I am safe and present in my body. I am connected to emotions and pleasure. I embrace my feminine and yin power. I embrace my body and its sexuality as a positive force in the world. And we'll, we'll end there. There's other kinds of things that we would do. <laughs> I work a lot with that one for releasing shame. Like we might do healing around shame feelings, which are often held in this part of the body. And then uh, this is the counter that someone would do on their own. I never do kind of release of negative emotions. I never have someone do that on their own. I always do that in a session. And then this kind of activation someone can do on their own. So that's the kind of stuff that I put in the book where you can do it on your own because it's safe, right? To just try to bring forth a new energy.
Yeah. And I guess, thank you so much for that. I feel very, oh, <laughs> very Great. Calm good, 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 and, good. But yeah, I, I guess if you're bringing up negative energy by yourself, then that maybe is overwhelming. And if you don't have that safe container like you talked about to be able to support you and process it, that could maybe have a negative impact on someone's healing, I would imagine. Yeah, it's important to never be overwhelmed. That's part of, you know, trauma sensitive healing and pacing yourself, right? So some people do feel that they can work with negative emotions, usually on their own, but usually it's because they already have a framework for that, right? They've been through therapy, perhaps they have a journaling practice, perhaps they have some other practice in which they've already become somewhat accustomed to how they can, when a negative emotion arises, uh, work with it, right? But if someone doesn't have that framework, then we do it in the safe container of a session, but anyone can bring forth the energies of a chakra in a positive way, like what we just did. And that is a compliment then to the other work that you're doing, the more cathartic work that you're doing. Amazing. And, and you've mentioned uh, meditation uh, earlier in, in our chat and also journaling. And so I'm just wondering how they can complement this, uh, this sort of healing process. Yeah. You know, journaling, I find it's one of those things people either really take to it or they don't at all. Right. So if it works for someone, <laughs> you know, it is a way of taking the jumble of thoughts and emotions that someone is experiencing about a situation and getting it out in a comprehensible form. Right. It really is like talk therapy, except the receiver is paper instead of, you know, the person listening. So for people for whom that works, it's very helpful. And then there's a lot of techniques for that. So sometimes for people who really like that, I will give them questions to contemplate about the themes of a particular chakra. You know, when today did I feel safe in my body? When did I not feel safe? Right when, uh, things like that, when, um, did I feel embarrassed or shame? When did I say sorry? When there wasn't really anything to be sorry about just to help them begin to notice habitual patterns of shame or feeling lack of security or unworthiness, whatever's going on. Or when did I hold back speaking something I wanted to speak out of fear? You know, it's just a bill way of building self-awareness. Um, meditation, you know, these chakra activations, like what we just did, I'm very hesitant to ever call them meditation because that word scares everyone off. <laughs> like, no, I'm not a meditator. <laughs> There's so many different forms of meditation though. And all it really is, is some sort of tool for connecting with your awareness beyond your mind, which is where we usually are. And I highly recommend everyone finding some form of that for themselves, a way of experiencing themselves aside from just their thoughts, right? That is the, what that does is it helps you develop this relationship to your thoughts where you feel like you can choose your response rather than just react. You're creating that space. So that may be walking in nature if you're doing it in a present way, or it could be a formal meditation. These chakra activations, in a sense, they're meditation, but they are, they have a specific purpose, which is to, um, empower a certain energy in that moment so they're not simply a relaxing meditation they are they have a purpose so some people would not call that meditation and that's why i call it chakra activation for that reason but they're a good compliment so i often encourage people to do a chakra activation and then meditate you know yeah and i suppose maybe if journaling is something that works for you then journaling about what kind of came up or what you noticed is a way exactly. of maybe really 
building that awareness then. Exactly. And especially working with the chakras, that can be important because some of what we experience, it's not happening in that busy chatter mind, right? It's what are the chakras as you start to experience them? They're partially physical, they're partially emotional. It's this other level of awareness, our subtle awareness. So journaling about that can help you bring that into your conscious mind because otherwise it can be difficult to really uh, capture what you were experiencing. Amazing. And so before I move on to my set questions, I wonder if you have any kind of final thoughts on uh, energy work, sexual mm-hmm. trauma healing that you'd like to share with us. I think my main message regarding the chakras is to give it a try, not sort of go, oh no, that's woo woo, that doesn't work. Uh, we don't necessarily know why, it's, why it works. There's a lot of interesting research going on and science may catch up at some point. But for now, you don't have to get it in your mind, just experiment with it, give some exercises, some try, some, a try, and you may be amazed. If you give it a few weeks, you start feeling energy in your body and how that shifts you and it becomes real for you. So I always just experiment, uh, you know, encourage people to experiment and, and try it. Yeah, amazing. And I mean, that fits so well with the message of the podcast because we're not at all prescriptive either. Mm-hmm. And it's very much about giving people lots of things they can try for themselves and sort of see what works or, or doesn't. So yeah, thank you for that. So uh, yeah, I have some set questions to ask everyone and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts to these. So my first one is what always brings you joy in your life? Oh, wow. Nature always brings me joy. (laughs) Definitely. I'm a big hiker and I live by the beach. So walking by the water and meditation, you know, I am a daily meditator. I've meditated for over 30 years. There's always some moment of joy, even in a meditation where I feel like I've been thinking most of the time. So uh, those things bring me great joy. My dogs, my kids, there's a lot to that answer. But anyway, <laughs> sticking with one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to have just one. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? Hmm. Uh, a sense of spiritual purpose for me is very important. It's the framework for my life in terms of really believing that we are all on a growth journey and myself and that I'm honored in the work that I do to help others along that journey. Very kind of succinct, but uh, yeah, amazing. (laughs) I can go on and on about almost anything, (laughs) but. (laughs) (laughs) But I think sometimes it's nice to have that sort of very clear, yeah, this is what gives me my my sense of purpose or or meaning. I think that's quite nice to have that really clear vision, I guess, of uh, what it is for you. And at this point in my life, you know, that is clear. I think it took me time to get there, right? But at this point in my life, that's very clearly the foundation from which I view everything. My parenting, my work, my relationships, my own life. I really view it in the context of, as the quote says, being a spiritual being, having a human experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So my next question, uh, it's a two-parter. So our overarching theme, if you like, of the podcast is all about mental well-being, mental wellness. Mm. So the first part is what does mental wellness mean to you? It means balance and it means a sense of self-worth that is sourced from within. So someone has achieved a state where they truly appreciate themselves for who they are 
And that is their ground. That is their psychological ground from which to work. And then balance is really this sense that you can always come back to this center, whatever is going on and source from that point. And that involves tools perhaps to help you do that, finding the tools that help you do that on a daily basis. That perfectly links to the second part, which is how you look after your own mental well-being. So what tools do you use to meditate? Yeah, I I mean, daily meditation is important to me. It's like my reset button where everything clears away. And then for me, energy work, because I do work with the chakras. So some of my my own meditation work is with the chakras. Some of it is not. And that sort of energetic resetting, knowing how to energetically reset myself is important. That's something I might flash on throughout the day if I get triggered by a difficult situation. Uh, Exercise and time in nature are very important for me. Time in nature and exercise also help balance the energy body. So they are a natural way of releasing stress and of helping your energy body come back into alignment. So even if someone doesn't view them that way, that is what it does, right? That is what both exercise and time in nature can do. So those are really my primary tools Uh, and knowing self-care, knowing when I need things have built to a point where I'm stressed or tense and my usual reset isn't going to work and I actually need an hour out a weekend out, whatever it is, right? And creating the space for that. Awesome, thank you for those. And so my next question is, are you able to describe your mindset? My mindset? Mm. You know, I really at this point experience the world very energetically. So I think of mindset as like a certain vibration and I can feel heavy emotions are they bring that vibration down they're dark your mind gets foggy it gets clogged you know recently this week i had something happen in my family that was very stressful and i could feel part of it was my own response to it part of it was the energy of other family members could feel this kind of heaviness descending along with this anxiety to me that was my mindset was sinking down into this vibration so then instead of just continuing to think and think and think about what should we do in this situation what can we do which can just become spinning and reinforces that vibration of that mindset i took time out to work actually chakra mostly on my heart and a third eye to try to get into this space of open heart very clear mind right? A sense of stillness and centering that I in the center of the storm, right? That is that internal anchor. And I always try to have that as my mindset, that place to respond to whatever is going on. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but because I think more vibrationally, that's how I think in terms of mindset, really. Yeah, that's the youth question that people interpret it in their own way. And that I've always find really interesting because people will have different different take on all of the questions mm-hmm. but yeah it's um it's so interesting uh and then my my next question is the sort of the practical one that we like to give people suggestions of things that they can try and we've already given them or you've given them uh the uh, the exercise that we did to try and already a lot of great advice but if you had one to three top tips that you would recommend that people give a go uh, what would you suggest Well, what I didn't mention that I think is particularly important for women is focusing on boundaries, 
whatever that means to you and spending some time to really think about boundaries. For me, energetic boundaries are important. So this is one I have in my book that's really a foundation, especially for trauma survivors, because often there is an internalization of the idea, I don't have a right to boundaries, right? And then women receive a lot of conditioning around that, like you're supposed to take responsibility for everyone's emotions, you're supposed to people please everyone. So boundaries is sort of universal work for everyone. And there's a, an exercise in my book called The Second Skin that's really good for boundaries. Uh, I think also this sense of creating an internal anchor, whatever that means for you, that you have some sort of routine, maybe it's even just three deep breaths, right? That you really return to this sense of an anchor. And I think the other is that you um, keep seeking and searching, and I guess this really fits with the theme of your podcast, for what works for you. And not think in terms of authority figures, but think in terms of trying things and then what's, what's the reaction, what happens for you as opposed to, oh, that's the expert they must know, right? Because then we can, if something doesn't work, we almost internalize it. Oh, there must be something wrong with me because that was the expert and they said it would work, you know? So no, really trust that, trust your own internal compass in that regard. Mm, thank you so much. And yeah, absolutely that. Um, I think that's very true that sometimes you see that, like you said, the expert, the professional and we're like well if it doesn't work for me it isn't is something wrong with me like you said not it just doesn't work for me or it's mm-hmm. you know we we tend to internalize a lot so i think that yeah that's a really important point to uh, reiterate so um my, my final question for you is where people can find you where they can find your book uh, if they're interested in working with you where can they yeah. Well, so the book is at chakraempowermentforwomen.com. Well, it's, it's available everywhere. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores as well, because it was published through Llewellyn Publishing. But you can link to all of those through the website chakraempowermentforwomen.com and chakra is spelled C-H-A-K-R-A. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Facebook as Chakra Empowerment and Twitter as Mommy Mystic, which is the name of my blog also, mommymystic.com. And my client site is enlightenedenergetics.com. So between all of those, you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can absolutely link in the show notes so that people can find you and when we share the episode on social media so people can find you from that. Great. So, yeah, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us. And I, I've really enjoyed uh, diving into energy work with you again. And the, uh, yeah, the exercise, I definitely feel... <laughs> that's wonderful more grounded so thank you so much well and thank you Helen. thank you for your work uh supporting mental health i think now more than ever this is such an important topic and approaching it from many different angles as well is so important yeah yeah well and, and like we've been saying through this we're all individuals so you know sometimes we get really fixated on this is the way to heal and i think that that's that's not the case. So yeah, having lots of different perspectives means that hopefully regular listeners will hear something that really resonates with them. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Lisa. I'm not sure if you can hear the beeping in the background, but that is the oven going off and my sign to not ramble for too long. I'm really trying to keep down the amount of time I'm talking for in the intros and the outros so that it's kind of succinct and valuable and not just me, like stream of consciousness talking. But I really hope that you have enjoyed this episode and I'm just going to keep it short and sweet 
and just say if you have enjoyed the show if you enjoy tuning in and listening please do rate and review us on iTunes it really helps us to reach more people and, and kind of share this message of being kind to yourself and looking after your mental well-being and uh, everything <laughs> that we talk about here so please do that and also please share the episode if there's anyone that you think of that might enjoy what we talk about here that's it for this week I'll speak to you again on Monday have a good rest of your week be kind to yourself and I will speak to you on Monday take care bye